Hide and Seek was one of my favorite games when I was a kid. I don't know if anybody else feels that way, but I loved playing hide and seek. And when I found a great spot, my heart would race. I'd, hi I'd hide anywhere, closets, basement, under a pile of laundry. Not that we had any, my mom, didn't, we didn't have piles of laundry. We, everything was totally folded, just fine. Um, but I would, I, anything it took for me to be somewhere where I couldn't easily be found. And when I was easily found, it was so frustrating you didn't have a good spot. But when I did have a really good spot, usually the game ended in squeals and giggles and laughters because I felt really good about choosing a good hiding spot. But I've been thinking lately about when hiding went from being fun and playful to being fearful. Our sermon text from Jeremiah seems to be hopeful if you read just those two verses. But it's important for us to understand all of it. So who is God talking to? And what's he saying? God is telling Judah that he is near and that there is no use in hiding. He has seen, does see, and will see everything. Every thought, every action, he'll hear every word. He's heard the lies of the false prophets, and they cannot deny leading his flock astray. Now, for some, God's nearness and knowledge is not a frightening thought. But for many of us who misstep often, it can be a jarring reminder. I mean, we know we can't hide from God. And thankfully, we believe in a savior who takes the fear away from our sinful behavior. But we also know that God is transcendent. God is wholly other. He's not subject to limitations of time and space like we are. In grappling with the knowledge that God is omniscient, all-knowing, omnipotent, all-powerful, and omnipresent, everywhere, always, that's a lot for our human brains to comprehend. It's hard to handle because we don't know what it's like to be any of those things. Our knowledge is limited. And sometimes, I think, we let this separate us from our Creator. How many of us grew up with an image of God high above the clouds in the sky in heaven, far, far away? Just me? You don't, you don't have to put your hands up, but I know it's not just me. We think of words like sky god, a god that is peering down from above, both being far away and uninvolved. We've positioned ourselves in a comfortable space, believing that he is far away or uninvolved, or at the very least, immovable and unwilling to hear our petitions. Why do we do this? Respect? Fear, lack of knowledge. When tragedy strikes, it's human for us to point fingers and place blame. We want justice, retribution. When we look around and we see things like racism, violence, mass shootings, we often wonder, where are you? Where are you? It's easy to place blame on a sky god who peers down on us, looking at us like a bunch of little ants, punishing each poor choice or throwing his hands up and saying, you made your bed, free will, it's your choice, lie in it. But that is not God's character. God is not far from us in tragedy and despair, just as he is not far from us in times of goodness and hope. God is right here in every 
circumstance. He celebrates with us in joy and kneels in the dirt with us when we are sobbing. Scripture tells us that God took on human form and came down from heaven to be with us. He lowered himself to be in a place of restorative relationship with us. Theologian Rowan Williams says, God is not somebody who lives in the temple at the end of the road and you have to keep him happy and get past by being polite. Neither is God immeasurably the distant abstract source of all being. God is pouring his life out all around you. His breath, his active spirit is equipping you to speak the words of the eternal words. This points us to scripture. We must search for God there when we feel like we don't know where he is. Psalm of David, Psalm 139, seven through 12 says this, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light around me become night, the night is as bright as day to you. The darkness is as light to you. David knew what it was like to hear God very clearly and then silence. You'll be the next king of Israel. When? Just wait. And he did. He waited in the silence. David praised God and reminded himself of God's character and his promises while he waited for God's perfect timing. It's beautiful and it's hopeful and it's a comfort when we are wavering. But even knowing what we know, what do we do when we don't feel God's presence? I'd like to ask another question. What role do feelings play in our faith? Every believer has times in which they feel God is distant or absent altogether. Many Christians assume that God's silence means something has gone wrong, that you've done something wrong. The, the, the inability to feel God's spirit means he has turned away from you. But this is not what scripture tells us. His apparent silence is in fact an important part of how he works in our lives. Maybe what we need is a new way of visualizing God, our God, the one true God, the God of the universe. Instead of seeing him as a sky God, a distant God who is very far away, can we imagine him being right here, right here, right here, right here, filling up all the space of the heavens and the earth? I'll tell you, God is closer to us than we are to ourselves. I've heard Dr. Longbon say that many, many times, as well as other theologians. God is closer to us than we are to ourselves. He is imminent. He's in every fiber of your being, of my being. He's the center of all creation. God is everything holy, everything lovely, everything pure. Our faith cannot be built on feelings or it will crumble at the first sign of trouble. God is ever present and always near whether we feel it or not.
It would be incredibly daunting and, in my opinion, bad practice to measure our faith or spirituality based on how frequently we feel the presence of God. Feelings are inconsistent. Feelings are unreliable. Feelings are fleeting. Feelings aren't bad. Feelings hold space in our lives for very important moments. Emotions help us to communicate effectively with others, and they help us react quickly in important situations. But feelings should not be the foundation of our relationships. Our relationship with God, when built on practices of faith, will carry us through that 40 days or 40 years of wandering, of hardship, of doubt. So what do we do when God's work or presence in our lives doesn't seem obvious? Few suggestions. Search scripture. The Bible is robust with God's promises. Hebrews 13, these are just a few examples. There are tons more. Hebrews 13, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Deuteronomy 31, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Joshua 1, 9, the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isaiah 41, fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Practice memorizing scripture. When we are run down, when we are exhausted, when we are fearful, when we are riddled with anxiety, it's a beautiful thing to have something short that you can repeat and rely on. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Let's do that one together. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Hold on tightly to his promises. Pray. This seems obvious. It seems like an obvious one. But for many Christians, we neglect our prayer lives. I remember somebody asking me once, I don't recall if it was in high school or college, but I remember them asking me, if you had a person in your life that you rarely, if never, spoke to, would you consider that person close to you, a close relationship or a best friend? Answer is obviously no. I mean, if I rarely to never speak to someone, we probably don't have a solid relationship. So how can we expect it to be any different with our creator? We can't. Prayer is a pillar of our faith. We should pray to God even if we only experience silence in return. Worship, corporate worship draws us near to God. It's what we're doing right now. When we lift our voices in prayer and song with other believers, he's here. As we are invited to share Holy Communion, God is making space for every single one of us. Inside this building, outside this building, people like you, people very different from you. Making space for everybody. There is room for everybody right there. Worship is a beautiful reminder that we're not alone in our struggles and our hardships, look around at the people around you. They love you, they'll be with you. You're not alone. Worship's a good reminder of that. And lastly, gather with loved ones. Some of my biggest blessings and reminders in my life is my family and my friends. I see God's reflection in my community and it recenters my heart every time and reminds me of God's loving nature. Listen, if you're in a dry spot, in a silent place, hang in there. Hang in there. 
Lean on what you know to be true in scripture and what you know of God's character as creator, redeemer, father, healer, friend. We too can cling to the promise Jesus extends to his disciples in Matthew 28, 20. He says, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. God bless you all.